Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're always glad to have you with us. So today, our guest is Dr. Nilda Perez. Dr. Perez combines her three decades of behavioral health care experience with her doctorate degree in strategic leadership and foresight. That is so unique. I'm very excited to hear about this in order to help behavioral health organizations improve and innovate their clinical and business operations through high-performing strategies and leading-edge practices. She works with behavioral healthcare professionals to develop innovative therapeutic programs, preventative methods, rehabilitative structures, and supportive care. Nelda's goal is to equip behavioral healthcare organizations through the lens of strategic foresight with tools that will address present and future challenges in innovative ways and position the behavioral healthcare industry for a sustainable future. I love all that. That is fabulous. And I am so excited to welcome you today, Nilda, and talk about leadership, foresight, strategy, innovation. This just sounds like it's going to be a fun conversation. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. And folks, those of you who are in the Chicagoland area, Nilda is joining us from Florida, which is brilliant, <laughs> especially because it's it's March here and it's cold. So I'm I'm glad for you that you're somewhere toasty. You look you look summer. So Nilda, you know, a lot of the folks who listen to our podcast are also clinicians and they are practice owners. So a lot of what we're going to talk about today, I think, will be in, of interest to them. But can you start out telling me about your clinical career and then how you got to where you are now? Okay, so um, I started about 28 years ago, and I started as a clinician. I'm a clinical, still a clinical, a licensed clinical social worker. I started back so many years ago that we weren't even licensed yet. So, it's to give you a perspective, back in the days of registered or certified, yeah, certified, right, exactly. In New York, it was a certification. And of course, by the time the um, licensure came in, I had already been practicing for about 12 to 15 years. And at that point, I was grandfathered in because I had so much experience. So when I started working, I think just like anybody else, I was working um, for somebody and it, and it was great. And I loved doing that work. But then a few years into it, I realized that I wanted to do more. And um, so, of course, I started my practice. And in my practice, when I was thinking of, of creating my practice, I knew that I had to do something different. I couldn't be like everybody else because why would people want to come to me? So I started thinking creatively, like, what else can I offer? How can I stand out and be different? And at that point, I just started implementing different things into the practice. But and one of the things was, this was like back, back in the day, I think it was 2005, I became a certified coach. So, of course, that's not clinical work, but it opened the doors to some pretty amazing, interesting people. And I started seeing how there was this big need 
for clinicians or almost anybody to start creating their own because I don't know if you remember, but that was uh, 2008 was the recession. And there were a lot of baby boomers that were losing their jobs. So it was at that point that I decided to go back to school. And that's when I uh, started with this, this uh, degree. Now, the degree, honestly, when I got into it, as interesting as it was, foresight, and it was still kind of ambiguous. But as I delve in, it was so exciting. And then I realized this is something that everybody can use, including behavioral health. Who wasn't that open to that at the time? Mm, I I bet not. I bet that has been a little bit of a challenge because it sounds very businessy. And my gosh, even though we all, you know, many practice owners own a business, so many people have this resistance to feeling corporate or, you know, like it's corporate culture. And we've been a corporation forever. You know, we all become incorporated. So we're all, I think uh, it's a misunderstanding about what these pieces can do. Because ultimately, we all want to provide as many people as we can with good care. And so it sounds like that's part of what you're helping people do is figure out how to do that in innovative ways. So Tell us a little bit about this work. How do you work with practices or in the the field of behavioral health with people who are trying to be more innovative? So I have been doing this with businesses for years now, but I saw this phenomenal opportunity during COVID because during COVID, there were so many clinicians that were not prepared for that shift. That shift came like fast and furious and they didn't know how to, you know, they were not malleable. They weren't able to just jump into this change. And, you know, this new innovative way of seeing clients, they, it was either stressing them out because they couldn't use the uh, the, the computer and, and didn't know how to do virtual uh, sessions. But even more than that, they were resistant to doing therapy this way, to meeting their, you know, their clients this way. What they weren't realizing, and that was the, the frustrating part when I would talk to some of my, my colleagues, was they weren't understanding that this was a need. And knowing what your client needs is where you meet them. Nothing changes. Like You still have the same client and you're addressing the same issues. You're just doing it in a different way. So it was... Honestly, it just became at that point was like I decided that this was something that I needed to share with behavioral health. How do we prepare as clinicians, as as organizations, as behavioral health people in this healthcare world? How do we prepare ahead of time for any change? And how do we make that shift now so that when the time comes, we're prepared? Right. Because, Nilda, you are so spot on that we were not prepared. And many of us made this enormous shift, got into telehealth. We had no idea what we were doing. What are the rules? What are the regulations? We knew nothing about it. And to your point, you know, there are lots of younger clinicians who are digital natives or have figured out how to be tech savvy. And then there were plenty of us that just didn't know. And if you didn't work for an organization that could shepherd you through that process, you maybe needed somebody like you. So what would you say? So now, you know, here we are two years in, a lot of folks are doing telehealth. What are some things that behavioral health providers 
might want to be thinking about now in terms of innovation and preparation for what's to come? First of all, it all starts with mindset. If we say that we can't, then it won't happen. So we need to be more open to looking for new ways to meet our clients. And in an organization, whether that's a practice or an organization, which is typically who I work with, they need to understand what, how are we operating? Everything from operations to performance to creativity and innovation. This is a whole process. Where do we begin? Why are we doing things the same way? How can we streamline? How can we make things easier and better? But before you deliver a, a service, you need to look at what you have. You know, before you change programming, you need to look at what you have. The other thing is, how can we be creative in creating new methods or new ways for our clients? So just to give you a couple of examples, maybe you want to have a specialty within your practice. Maybe you see a need that you think that you can work with better. So it's understanding what are the needs of the people? Because you know what? Things have changed. People have changed. The world has changed. So we need to look at trends. And by looking at those trends, this is what I teach a lot, looking at trends, creating scenarios, this, this, or that can happen. And then from those scenarios of what are the probabilities, there's there's the possibilities and the probabilities. If it's a possibility, then maybe that's a little bit ambiguous. But if there's a probability that something can happen, then why don't we prepare for that? Why don't we become the trendsetters, the thought leaders within our industry? There's so much change that is needed in our industry, and we're just not addressing it. Yeah, so what are some trends that you see currently that a practice owner might want to be aware of? So we want to look at, right now, clients want more. They want more in less time. They're not willing to sit. They don't always want the one-hour session. Initially, that may be the case. So, And with my clients, I've noticed that the one-hour session, after like maybe the second or third session, may be too much for them. They may not want that. They may want less. So giving them that. And also what I have done in my practice is able to develop other things I look at things like, hey, so how's your diet? You're not sleeping well. You're not. How's your diet? Looking at other things that are going on in their lives and being able to incorporate that into our sessions. Got it. Okay. So I love this idea. You know, when you talk about innovation and we think about that, there really is a mental health crisis happening right now. So if we take innovation, we take mental health crisis. How do we be creative in that? And so what some folks have started doing is they're offering more groups or to your point, you know, we've had this model forever that it's a one hour session once a week. Here's our CPT code. This is how we do it. And so this is actually, I think, a a very interesting idea. And someone else had talked about this a while back, but I, I love this. I'm glad we're visiting this, that A, not everybody maybe needs that frequency of treatment. How do we determine if someone needs that frequency of treatment? And can we be a little creative and say, okay, so are you somebody who needs 30 minutes? And what can we do in that 30 minutes? 
are you somebody who needs every other week? And we're still doing good quality work, but we're really listening very differently. We don't come in with our just kind of standard, this is how I do care, but maybe having, to your point, greater flexibility in our model through which we offer care. So that would be a wonderful example of doing something differently that really meets the need of the client and meets the need of this mental health crisis. Dr. Nilda, I love that. So what else would you say if you think about innovative methods for things like outreach or growth, right? Because there are so many people who have gone out on their own at this point. And and right now, clients are sort of falling out of trees, it seems like. And personally, I don't think that's going to last forever, you know, the pandemic is beginning to shift and people are starting to walk around and show their faces again. And I don't know, maybe in Florida that's been happening, but in Illinois, that's about two weeks old. And it's very strange because we're walking around like, oh, you have a whole face. Like I haven't seen that in two years. Wow. Um, I better start, you know, cleaning, you know, flossing more, you know. So, but when we think about innovation, right? So that's a great example of clinical care innovation. If you think about outreach, and that sort of thing. What would you think about outreach, growth, innovation? What comes to mind? When I think of outreach, there's a, there's a huge population that is, is being untapped. So there's so many things that are happening that we're like jumping from crisis to crisis. And who's the person that's being affected by this particular crisis? So we have to find ways. How do we, out, how do we reach out to those people? How do we reach out to people that are not coming to us? They may not be responding to maybe a, a, a telehealth uh, commercial, but they still have that need. So how do we become, why, why are we not out there looking for people? Another huge, and that they really aren't tapping into this, a lot of the clinicians, there's a huge need in, in the medical field. Our nurses, our doctors, they need mental health. You know, they, they need behavioral health because they've seen so much, they've gone through so much. And oftentimes while they're in the trenches, they don't feel it. But once they step away, how is their mental health? Who's checking up on them? Who's there for them? So creating that outreach is very important. Looking again, we have to constantly be looking for needs, what are the needs of the people and how can we reach them? So I think there's been a shift even in the population and there's been a shift in the actual person, the, the actual clientele that we can tap into. And I don't feel that we're doing a very good job because I think as clinicians, yeah, we, we may do you know a few you know outreach like now and no social media you may do a little bit of that, but you're not looking at needs. You're not looking at the broader picture. Okay. So you would argue that maybe some innovation and outreach is thinking about very specific populations that are untapped. And rather than thinking, well, here's my specialty and I'm going to hang out my shingle. And right now these people are falling out of the trees and they're calling me and I have a wait list that we might want to continue. And I think this is really important, Dr. Nola, that we continue to think about who has the need and how do we reach out to them, right? Because we had to do that forever and now it's kind of shifted. Everybody's reaching in to us, but we still need to know how to reach out and to who. 
home. And so businesses, yep, that's huge. Medical professionals, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about innovation, you're really saying, guess what, folks? Maybe it would be a good idea to step out of our comfort zone to do things a little bit differently. So how do you help people find that courage to do something out of their comfort zone and to be innovative? You know what's funny? And I say this all the time. We are the preachers of, you know, mind shift. We're the preachers of, and yet we are terrible at it. Right? We are lousy. We are lousy. We teach it. We preach it. We speak about it. It probably comes up in every session. And yet we are so bad at it. Tell us that we need to make a shift. Tell us that we need to make a change and we fall apart. We fall apart. So it really all starts with the mind. We need to make a decision. And what I, when I started my practice, like I told you this was years ago, I went and started my practice, but I, I knew that it needed to be different. It was at, well, how I saw it was, this is not a want, this is a need. If I'm not different, why wouldn't they just, I would be so interchangeable. So I needed to find ways to be different. And it worked like a gem. And I have to tell you, I wasn't even, I hadn't even taken any classes in this. It was intuitive that I knew I needed to be more creative and find different ways of delivering services. So I think as, as clinicians, as organizations, we need to, to be able to just make the decision. It starts in our mind. We make a decision. And once we make that decision, we if you build it, they will come. You have to know what you're looking for. And then you'll it'll just come. You're like, oh wow, this isn't this is untapped. And that's the thing with foresight. We're always looking for untapped markets. Everybody can use at some point in their life, everyone can use, you know, behavioral health. That's not a severe mental illness. Everybody has a crisis at some point in their lives. We need to find those people. There are so many apps right now. There are so many YouTube videos. There are ways for people to get care. And I'm doing air quotes for those of you who can't, um, can't see me. And, and again, I think there's nothing wrong with these. I think there are some great help that can come. And these are innovative ideas, ways of reaching people. But clinicians can feel very threatened by this innovation because we feel like it's going to take business away from us. Do you have an opinion about some of this artificial intelligence or some of these other ways of people getting help? Mm -hmm. I absolutely do. So whoever said that we can't still use the personal touch. So let me give you some ideas of little things that I do that have made a huge difference. This is also what I teach. And I don't care how big your organization is. That you can send out, uh, hey, a reminder, hey, just touching base, making sure that you're okay. You, I've done that with my clients. I, well, I, I'm always doing that with my clients. Clients that I haven't seen maybe for a year, I'm like, hey, I'm just touching base. Like, you came to mind and I'll send them a, a text or I'll send them an email. Depends on how they're most comfortable. And they're like, oh my God, perfect timing. I need you. They may not come back to stay for a year. They may just come back for three or four months. But see, the fact that I reached out makes a difference. And you know, with those same clients bring referrals, like, you know, she's so thoughtful. She doesn't forget you. She doesn't, 
that's that's a great source of referrals. So that's another way. And that now is like, oh yeah, that's so old fashioned. Like we don't use these ways anymore. But why not? Why aren't we incorporating that along with apps and social media and all these other innovative ways? You know, I, I say I always tell people innovation is not just technology. It goes so far beyond that. Well, and to your point, it, these days reaching out to somebody in a personal way has become innovative again. You know? yeah. So, right. Mm-hmm. So making that personal connection and Nilda, this is a real concern of mine that, that there are many clinicians who have gone out on their own and are setting up a practice and they, they don't have the perspective that clients do not perpetually fall out of trees. We don't always have wait lists. And so maintaining those personal connections right now seems innovative again. It's like, you know, when, when styles go out of style and come back into right. fashion again. Yes. So, so when you think about strategic leadership, if you were to speak to a practice owner about strategic leadership, what would you be describing to them? If you want to lead in your industry, you need to be a thought leader. If, as a, if you're a thought leader, you're always going to be ahead. So, it seems so complicated, and yet it's the simplest thing. But, of course, a lot of people need that direction. Why? Because we're creatures of habit, and we don't think that way. We just don't think. Again, I have to go back to the, the, the mindset. We have such a, such, a, so, such a stringent way of thinking that we refuse to think differently. And so that's really important. You want to, you, you look at foresight, you look at leadership. If you want to lead, you need to be different. And for you to be different, it can't be like one little thing. It has to be like a, a series of small things. You don't have to invent a new technology. New technology is wonderful, but you don't have to invent new technology to be a thought leader. What are you really good at? What is your organization really good at that you can make grow? Be known for something. Be known as a thought leader. Yeah, right. So being known as a thought leader, being willing to put yourself out there and to do that level of work, right, of still niche is important. Skill set is important. So if you were to consult with a practice owner and you were going to take them through a process of strategic leadership and foresight, what could that practice owner expect? First, we need to work on their mindset. And are you willing to make the changes? Because a lot I've seen this, they'll take the information and they won't use it. So are you really willing to make the changes that are necessary to become that thought leader? And then we, you know, again, it will depend on the individual, but we, we want to see their processes. What are your processes? You know, how is your performance better? Are you just seeing a lot of clients or are you performing to the highest of your ability? Are you, you may be seeing less, but it may be more like concierge type work. You know, are you offering more in that time than you're, you know, are you just seeing, is it like a rinse and repeat? You see? Those are the things that we look at. And then from that point, start being strategic and start being creative. And I I give assignments and I do this. I do this 
not just with the, the people that I consult with, but I also do this with my therapy practice. I always give assignments because they walk away with something to think about. What I was noticing, and I noticed this in practices, and I definitely see it in, in organizations that I've worked in for many years, people come and they come for that one session and they get up and they leave and they go back to their lives as is. But I make them look at their patterns. I give them assignments. And I got that from my coaching practice because I also did coaching. So that was also another creative thing. They walk away. They have to come back with something, not just we're not repeating the problem over and over week after week. You walked away. You come back with something. So it kind of prolongs that session because it gives them things to think about. So you have done therapy and you have done coaching and you're doing both. So how do you see, so you're talking about some about the intersection. What do you see as the differences? They're totally different hats, but very much alike because we're always dealing with mindset. Whether you're doing a therapy practice or you're doing a coaching, you're still you know, have to help people see things differently, understand things differently. Just it's a whole different lens. And that's how people change. And that's how people get better. So they're sort of interchangeable in some areas. And in other areas, they don't even come close. They don't come close. Okay. So if somebody wanted to work with you, how would they connect with you? They go into com, And I offer free consultation. I do um, 30-minute consultations. And what are you doing in that 30-minute consultation? I'm trying to help them analyze, like, what are the changes that they want to make and possibly make the decision whether this is for them or it isn't. Is this something Great. that you want to incorporate into your the company or, or not? Or not. Okay. Great. Wonderful. Well, what else would you like our listeners to know about? What I preach is... You know, let's let's make let's make a real change. And I have to tell you, clinicians really stepped up during the COVID. And I I love that because we really stepped up. But I know that there's more that we can do. Let's look for that. Let's look for what else can we do? How can we service our clients better? Fabulous. Right. That's really what this is about is how do we serve our clients better? I love that. Well, Dr. Nilda Perez, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Folks, if you want to connect with Dr. Perez, we'll make sure you can have this information in the show notes. Chris Pertel, our producer, thank you so much as always for all of your work on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, everyone. We'll connect with you next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.